Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today, this last question we'll be answering in this series is actually stretched on a little bit longer than I thought we were going to do. And uh, we finish today and then next week, next week starts one of the most important message series that has ever been preached at Pathway Church. And I'm telling you, seat belts, football helmets, get you a couple of mypillow.coms and duct tape them, tape them to yourself. Make sure the airbags are working really good because, man, we're shifting gears. It is going to be something else. How many of you are anticipating, excited that God's going to do something really special? in this next season that the church is going to. So please be praying for next week and the uh, next several weeks uh, as we go. Bow your head with me and let's ask God to bless our time in the word. Lord, your word accomplishes his purpose in your people when we will have ears that will hear what your spirit is saying to the church. Help us today. Lord, we thank you that there is nothing wrong with the seed of the gospel. It works. It wants to live. It wants to do its thing. The variable is us, our soil. Are we ready to receive from your word? Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds are prepared today and that you would achieve your best purposes in our life today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, our question is, how do I keep faith in God during changing times. This is where we are. How many of you notice it's been changing times? And just as soon as you think we're done with changing times, we've got some more changing times. So uh, if you don't like what's going on, just wait a second because we're going to be into something else in just a minute. So I'm going to be answering this question. How do I keep faith in God in changing times? Now I've massaged this question a little bit to make it a little bit smaller. And uh, I'm going to give you two iterations of it. I'll give you the first try at reducing this question down. And that was when culture is changing so fast, how do we stay positive and keep faith in God? Now, I reduced that down from this question. This was the original question. Our elected leaders are turning more and more away from God. How do we stay positive and keep faith in God? And so I'm going to put all of that into one big pot and then we're going to stir this thing and then let's hear what God is saying to us today. Now, here's the reality speaking about elected leaders, is that there is no elected leader that everyone is happy with. In fact, there is no elected leader that anyone is is happy with because when you get the elected leaders that you want, whether they be city council, mayor, governor, president, um, the state house, uh, U.S. Senate, let me just tell you, you get down into politics and things just begin to change. And that's just the nature of politics. D, you do know what politics means, right? I mean, you have to break down the root, the two root words, poly, meaning many, ticks, meaning blood-sucking creatures. (laughs) And so just the nature of politics means that everybody is going to be disappointed about some things. But, you know, we're in a particularly interesting time with the the season, the moment we're in. and, And let me just tell you, let me just tell you, As we look at these things, we really need to understand the time and the season that we're in, because that will help to really inform our heart and inform our mind. 
And so I'm reminded of some warriors that were these kinds of people. They joined David in battle. We go over to 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32 uh, is a listing of these different kinds of leaders. And verse 32 is a particular tribe, a particular posse, a particular uh, group of guys that come in. The The Bible says here, from the tribe of Issachar, there, are two, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives, so 200 leaders plus their family. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. So let me say, in this moment, Pathway Church, the believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Christ, Christians, my brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you today that it is important for us to know what season we're in. We should be like the men of Issachar. Now, there's a lot of people that know what season we're in. They know what problems there are. They know, they know the challenges. They, they can always pick out the problems and the flaws with everything. And now those are not called the men of Issachar. Those are called whiners and complainers because there's a lot of people that can point out all your flaws, all my flaws, all the church's flaws, all the uh, city's flaws, all the state's flaws, all the world's flaws, But how many people know what course to take? That's the key here uh, with the men of Issachar. But I'm calling you to be this kind of person, that you would be the kind of person that would understand the time that we're in airport, that you understand what moment we are in. We we don't want to be ahead of our time. I, I I don't like it when I hear people say, oh, Pastor Travis, he's a person that's ahead of his time. Or he, you know, he's really, no, I want to be made for this moment. I don't want to live in, in the past. I don't want people to say, oh, you know, Pathway is a church with a great heritage. I don't want, I want to only hear that because we got to have more than a heritage. We also have to have a vision in the future. And this, this is for us today. In this moment, we want to be appropriate and faithful in this moment. Not ahead, not behind. And we want to know how to lead our families we want to know how to lead our business. We want to know how, how to lead our small group. We want to know how to lead the church. We want to know how to influence our community, our neighbor. We want to know how to engage our spouse and our children in the way that the moment demands. It's important for us to know the time and the season that we're in. So let me give you a little bit of a foundational springboard before we jump in here to Daniel chapter three, which is where we'll be going in just a second. The first thing I want you to know is that knowing the God of the Bible will help you to know and discern uh, the times. Knowing the God of the Bible will help you know and discern the times. And, And I will say is that the moment that we say we love God, but we don't follow the Bible, we don't know the God of the Bible, we know somebody else. So we want to get into this book here so that we can understand God, but that we can also know and understand the Lord. Now, speaking to this particular topic today, I want you to also know this, that having joy in God is our flow regardless of our times and leaders. And this is just the truth right here. Is my joy in Jesus is not dependent on who my mayor is, on who my president is, on who my homeowners association rep is. It's not which... Lord, help us all. <laughs> if you're in an HOA, I just, just had a flashback right there and a cold sweat. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me just catch my breath for a second. But let me tell you, my joy in Christ Jesus was not dependent on who was leading my association. My joy 
in Jesus Christ is founded in Jesus Christ. You don't hear me this morning. My faith, my strength, my courage is built up not by my circumstance, but by my Savior. By, who, by the Christ Jesus that's living in me. Hey, do the best you can. Get the best HOA presidents you can. Get the best school board. You know, we need to have the best school board we can get. Do you, we need the best school board. We need the best PTA. We need all of that stuff. Do the best that you can. But let me tell you, if the school, if the nation, if the state, if the world, if the economy, if the stock market, if the unemployment numbers are doing things that you don't like, it doesn't mean a thing when it comes to your joy in Jesus Christ. It's just the truth. It's just the truth because even when we get exactly what we want, which you never get exactly what you want, but when you get exactly what you want, let me tell you, it still will not satisfy because the only one that can satisfy us is the one who gives water that will cause us never to thirst again. Hey, I thank God for that coffee you got out there. Aren't you thankful for our cafe out in the lobby? And thankful for that. Get, get a nice little fancy coffee out there. Get a smoothie. It's good. I love it. Go do that. We give all that money away to missions, 100% of it. Do that. But you got to go get another one because you're thirsty again. The only one that satisfies is Jesus. Well, that's great, Pastor, but that's not really what the question was. The question is, how do I remain encouraged and maintain my faith in God during challenging and changing times. Go with me to Daniel chapter three. And we're going to look at uh, one of the most prominent stories. From every children's church. The story of the three Hebrew children. Daniel chapter three, verse one. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet tall and nine feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messengers to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So everybody that's important gets the invite and to bring all of the people with them. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races, People of all nations and languages, listen to the king's command. Let me just tell you, just before this, you were minding your own business. Just before this, your kids just got accepted into the school you wanted them to go into. Just before this, you had just put that engagement ring on that girl's finger. Just before this, you had just got your house paid off. Just before this, you got everything in your world dialed in just like you wanted it to be. He said, now everything in life is just like I had always dreamed it would be. And then this announcement goes out. These instructions go out. He says, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Now the back of your legs start sweating. Now you're a little bit nervous because 
you were brought out of Jerusalem, one of God's holy people, and you love God and you have made it to this moment honoring the Lord. And now you've been drug out in front of God and everybody and you were told to violate one of the 10 commandments. The first four commandments are vertical commandments, commandments that you're to have between you and God. This is one of those four. It's important. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said that there are two commandments and that's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the first four of the 10 commandments. The next six are this. Jesus said, and love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, in the New Testament, we understand that if we do those two things, we will fulfill the 10 commandments. That's something that's interesting is that when Jesus comes, he did not come and abolish the 10 commandments. He raised the bar and made it more simple. He said, love God and love people. And if, if you're loving people causes you to dishonor God, you're not loving people right. And if your love for God causes you to be hateful to people, you're not loving God right. You're not loving people right. Here they are drug out in the middle of everything and they're told to bow and to violate the commandment that says that we're to have no other gods before him. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound, and, and I guarantee you, if it's me, if it's me, I don't know, how, how do you feel when you, you know, do you have a, a fight or flight response, fight? Yeah. Yeah. You know that feeling, taste of metal in your mouth as the adrenaline pops and maybe a little bit of a uh, tunnel vision? You can't see anything at all. Now you might, you might start shaking and you might shake later. I don't know how it goes. All I know is crazy things, chemical things begin to happen inside of your body. And you will say and do things that under normal circumstances you would never say and do. The three Hebrew children are standing there and they hear that the furnace is coming. Now they had been advanced inside the kingdom already. They had been advanced. They thought, hey, we're making it in Babylon. Hey, we're not in Jerusalem anymore. We're slaves now, but we're even still, God is elevating us in the middle of Babylon. And now this. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, except for out on the horizon with all of these, this massive swarm of people, piles and piles of people, circles, just little dots until you couldn't see anymore. But out in the middle of that, there were three young men Three young men from, the, from Pathway students. They were just teenagers. They were just, they're just standing there. Now, I don't know. I would like to think that they stood there resolute with their chest out, their shoulders back. I don't know. It might've been like this. It might've been like, holy cow. I don't know how it went. All I know is when it came time to bow, they didn't do it. So the astrologers, some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the golden statue. 
when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews from over at Pathway Church. There are some, jo- some jokers over from that church on Moffat Road, over from Airport Boulevard, that they did not bow. They did not bow. These three men whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Now, brothers and sisters, that's a bad day in Babylon. And the reality is every single one of us face this day in this culture right now. It's not a 90 foot tall statue that's nine feet wide, but it's ideologies that demand that you acquiesce to carnal thought and to carnal living and carnal mindsets and that you would call it good. And the whole agenda for the enemy is to get you to bow because in that moment you lose your platform, you lose your, uh, your, your moral authority, you, you lose your faithfulness between you and God, you become a hypocrite. You, you step into a place where now your testimony is undermined and it was proven in that moment, standing around the water cooler at work or on that date that you went on or whatever situation you had found yourself in that rather than choosing to stand with Jesus, you chose to bow to some other God. So I want to give you today a little help on how to thrive in Babylon. We are living in Babylon right now. Hey, I, I, I believe that I'm a part of the Joshua generation. You know, I, I believe it. I believe it. I believe that God has called me that wherever my foot treads, I own that ground because this is who I am. This is who we are as believers. But sometimes we lose our way and then there is a disciplinary action or God turns us over to our own ideas and then now we have to deal with what we've got. When we find ourselves in this place, we're no longer in the promised land. We are no longer in Jerusalem. We are no longer living near the temple. Instead, we're living near the hanging gardens of Babylon. We're living right there in modern day Iraq under the thumb of some other ruler demanding that we function in his world. Let me tell you, the Bible tells us that we should come out from among them and be separate. He calls us to be in this world and not of this world. Listen, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, those of you who are the elect that are chosen by God, there ought to be a difference between you and people who do not follow Jesus Christ. Because if you look like the world, you act like the world, you talk like the world, you are with the world, you are not with Jesus. Now, I don't for a second think that we should be rude and look down at anybody. I I think every single person that is an imager of God that has been created in his image, whether they follow God or not, ought to receive the love of Jesus Christ through us. So here's my hope here in the next few minutes is that I can help you hold on to the truth by living in such a way that you will be able to stand when the heat gets turned up, that you'll be able to stand during Babylon and you would be able to do so in a way that would cause other people 
to follow Jesus Christ. So here's five things I want you to know about living in Babylon that you need. These are things that you need. Number one, God is who he says he is. Say that with me. God is who he says he is. If God is smaller than your address, he is not God. If God is only the God of Jerusalem and he's not the God of Babylon, he's not God in Babylon, then he's not God. And I don't want to serve a God like that. He either is who he says he is or he ain't who he says he is. And when we come to the place that we understand that God is who he says he is and we are fully persuaded that we make up our mind, that's a difference maker in the way that we live and the way that we walk. The Bible tells us that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And if your eyes are not fixed on Jesus, then you'll act one way around the church crowd and another way around your peer group. Now I wanna speak to my peer group in a way that they can understand me, but I want there to be no mistake about who I serve. We don't serve our friends. We don't serve name brands. We don't serve the Instagram influencers. We don't serve the news. We don't serve our teachers. We don't, we, there's no group that we serve. We serve Jesus Christ. And when we've been fully persuaded, then we can stand for God in Jerusalem. We can stand for God in the assembly of the saints, or we can stand for God in the city square when we're called to bow. Romans chapter four and verse 20, the Bible says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced. Say that with me. Fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. So Daniel Chapter three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing in the middle of that uh, civic square as the instruments blow, they decide whether or not they are fully convinced. They decide in that moment whether or not they would be able to stand when the whole world is bowing. This is the same question that you have to settle. When you get that cancer diagnosis, you say, I believe that God is able to heal me and fix me and make me whole. But even if he doesn't, my faith is in him. God is able to deliver me in that city square when I choose not to bow. And when he throws me into the furnace, when the king throws me into the furnace, my God is able to deliver me. But even if he doesn't, I will not profane the name of God. I will bless the name of the Lord. You know, I believe that God can fix my marriage. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, I won't be moved. I'm going to worship my God. I know that God can, God can take this sickness off of me, this mindset off of me. He can give me some better friends. He can give me a better house. He can help me to pass this class, whatever it is. But even if he doesn't, wherever I find myself in my life, he will be my Lord and he will be my God. He's the constant in my life. And, and as I choose, I want to choose that I'm on the Lord's side. How many of you say, Pastor, that's the kind of stand that I want to have. I want to be fully persuaded in God. If that's, your, if that's your call, go ahead and bless the Lord today. I won't bow. Turn to your neighbor and say, I won't bow. I won't bow. The second thing you need to know is that more pressure is coming. There's going to be more pressure. You, you really ought to expect, you really ought to expect that when you're faithful to God, 
then you're going to see God be faithful to you in just the way that you wanted to see it. And you think, I'm going to stand right here in the city square. And when I stand for the Lord, then God's going to rally to me in just this moment. But let me tell you, when you do that, there's actually more pressure coming. The furnace we see, the furnace we see is turned up seven times hotter. But I just want to encourage you today, whatever you're going through right now, that when the enemy turns the pressure up, then God's power rises to meet that moment. And when, when you think about what man can do towards God, I mean, our best efforts are compared to God. is like a molehill next to Mount Everest. Whatever it is you're facing, God has more available for you. The third thing is that there is promise in the fire. Isaiah chapter 43, verse one. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who had created you, O Israel. The one who formed you said, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name and you're mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy one of Israel your savior. Aren't you thankful for that? You know, I would have loved for God just to make COVID go away in 2020. That would have been awesome. I would have loved for God just to pluck us up out of that fire. You know what the Lord did instead? He walked us through the fire. He saw us through the fire. We persisted in the fire. God can save us from the fire, but God is not a distant absentee landlord of a God that he steps back and watches the fire burn. Instead, what he does is he gets down right in the middle of the fire with us. When you're going through the fire of sickness, the fire of financial difficulty, when you're going through the fire of re relational challenge, when you're going through the fire of depression or oppression, let me know that God is in the fire with you. He's right there with us. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus is moved by the feelings of our infirmity. He is emotional towards us. I'm telling you, he's not a robot. He's not just sitting on the throne. He is on the throne. He is high and lifted up and we worship him. There is a vertical relationship here, but I want you to know that we have a God who is our very present help in times of trouble. He's there with you, in it with you. If you're feeling it, he's feeling it with you because he loves you. And he persists with us in the middle of the fire. I mean, even Nebuchadnezzar made the fire so hot it killed some of his strongest soldiers. We see that right there in verse 22. We'll skip past that there for a second. I just want you to see some of the things that's happening in the spirit for you as you go through the fire. Some of the fire that the enemy meant to destroy you would begin to peel away the people who have tried to take you out, have tried to attack this, the schemes of the enemy that have tried to destroy your family, that have tried to bust up your kids. God is right there in that fire 
with you, just like he was for those three Hebrew children. And then fourthly, there's protection from the fire. There's protection in the fire. Now, Daniel chapter three, verses 24 to 27, that when, said that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, uh, there were a few things that happened. One of the things is that when they came out of the fire, the Bible says that they didn't even smell like smoke. I just love that. Hey, it might be a little bit crazy right now, but you just hang in there. There's another thing. There's another thing. They were bound. They were bound before they were thrown in. They were in chains when they were thrown in. And what we see in those three verses, verses 24 to 27, is that we see that the fire, the very thing that was intended to destroy them, broke off their chains of bondage in the middle of their difficulty. Maybe it is that God has allowed that purifying fire that has come in your life. It feels like destruction, but God is actually using it to cause the yokes and the bondage and the chains uh, uh, of your, your bondage to be broken off your life. I, I want to share, I've, I've done this before, but you know, I told you that Kelly and I had Chinese drywall in our house. We had we flipped some houses and, you know, we had bought and sold some houses. Finally, we get in the house. It's our dream house. It's, it's our dream house. It was beautiful. Had high ceilings and it, it just w- had just the right feel. I, I couldn't even believe that we were able to have a house like that. And then we find out that we have Chinese drywall. So this makes twice now. First, we had Chinese drywall. And then January of this year, we, we had the Chinese flu. You know, it's like the gift that keeps on giving, you know. We look, come on, man, you got to, don't leave me hanging. Somebody's got to laugh. Don't, don't leave me hanging out there. I'll tell you what, it was, it was rough. We got down in that and I thought, what are we going to do? We moved into another place. You know, we, it was a smaller place and we're, we're trying to pay for both places. And we wanted five kids. And, 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 and when, we, when we got into our smaller place, it was so small. I mean, we're like stacking these kids on, in like milk cartons, you know? I mean, we said, let's wait on the 4th until we get back into our house. You know, it was just like this thing that happened to us. It was rough. Financially, it was terrible for our life. I mean, we lost a lot of money. We had lost things that takes you a lifetime to save. And I don't want to do that again. If anyone's ever lost like that, you, you know what I'm talking about right now. You know the feelings of failure that you have. But I'll tell you what, I'll I'll tell you what. The chains of bondage in our life fell off in that fire. And God restored, God restored, he restored, he restored. Can I say that one more time? God has restored what we've lost. But let me tell you that when we were in that fire, all of our values got reorganized. All of our values got reshaped and, and, and got retriaged. And the way that we steward our resources and our things, our property, our stuff is different. It serves us a whole lot more than we serve it. And we use it better than ever for the glory of God. 
It was in that time that we decided that we were going to elevate our family to a higher order in our life. That was the time where we made a little decision that we said we wanted to get our kids to all 50 states before we graduated for them from high school. And in and, and doing that, we were like, are we going to travel or are we going to have a car? I went and got a $1,000 minivan that Kelly had never seen. It had duct tape on it. It was terrible, but it got us to where we wanted. And then we began to invest in our family like we had never invested in our family before. I'm telling you, we're reaping rewards of those decisions that would only come from that terrible fire that we had been in. I just want to encourage you just a little bit today. The fire that you think is going to destroy you is the very thing that God will shake loose the bonds in your life. It will change your destiny. It will change the destiny of other people. I don't even think I would be at Pathway Church today if it hadn't been for those challenges in my own life. I don't even think that LifePoint Church back in South Florida would even be experiencing what they are now if it hadn't been for that fire that Kelly and I went through at that time. I promise you every single day for four years, I wished for the church that they would have a less complicated pastor because of all the drama that we were going through. You know, about one out of every five Sundays, I would wake up because of what the chemicals that were being put off in that house on our, on our bodies. Every about one Sunday out of every five days, my face would swell up on a Sunday morning, right before I was supposed to preach. I was looking like Will Smith in the movie Hitch. It it, it was rough. My kids got asthma. I started wearing glasses. Doctors thought Kelly had MS. It was terrible. They said, oh no, there's no physical health problems from that. And I'm saying, wait a second. We've replaced four sets of air conditioned coils, copper, because the fluid burned through this, the chem, what do you mean? There's no physical impact. No, it was a fire. It, it, it was a fire. God tested us in that moment. I wanted to escape it every second. But let me tell you, I saw another man in that fire and he was with us. His name is Jesus. He didn't leave us. He didn't forsake us. He was there. He was there. And maybe at a time when our kids were much smaller, Kelly and I were able to live and love and serve them in a way that maybe we wouldn't have if we had been focused on some other things. There's protection in the fire. Pathway Church, there is protection in the fire. 2020 and 2021, God has been faithful to us. Have have we had some challenges? Oh yes, you bet we have. But I have seen the hand of God in this fire. I have seen the hand of God in this church. I have seen the hand of God in our families and in our city, in our schools. God has been so good to us, Cindy, in the fire. He's been so gracious to us in the fire. Don't want to do it again, but I'm so thankful that our Savior has been with us every step of the way. I know more about God's word because of the fire. I've had a deeper revelation of who Jesus is because of the fire. Pathway, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Don't quit. Don't quit. Listen to your pastor, please. I've I've watched people turn their back on Jesus and walk away because the fire got hot. Don't quit. That thing that the enemy meant meant to take you out, God is right there in that thing with you. You hold on to his hand. And as long as you hold on to his hand, you're going to be okay.
fire doesn't last forever. This is the last thing you need to know in Babylon is that there is promotion after the fire. God's gonna elevate you after the fire. You're gonna be stronger after the fire. Daniel 3, 25, look, Nebuchadnezzar said, shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around, crazy. And the fourth looks like a God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. Let me tell you, this is the guy that just made everybody bow to him and to his God. And he's saying, Shadrach, he had a conversion experience. The king of Babylon came to know Jesus because three men wouldn't bow. Pastor, the church just isn't strong like it used to be. God isn't moving like he used to. No, God is moving. He's just looking for one or two or three who won't bow to the culture, who won't bow to the God of this age that stands firm in his promises and in his truth and hangs in there. Let me tell you, when he does, God will even take the most vile and the most deadly and the most vicious and will give them a heart for our God. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's funny to read the rest. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except for their own God. Do you hear this? Now this is where it bumps up the evangelism appeal that Nebuchadnezzar was giving. He goes a little over the top. He hadn't gone to seminary yet, so he didn't understand this. He hadn't really read his Bible a whole lot, so he didn't really understand this. He said, therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against their God, against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be burned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God that can rescue like this. He he was just a baby Christian. (laughs) He didn't know any better. (laughs) That's not how you give an altar call. By the way, I'm just putting that out there. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Praise the Lord. How many of you are holding on to that promise today? You say, I want that. I want what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is God's call on our life. Some people would say, oh, oh, that the way that you follow Jesus That's parochial. You're just a fundamentalist. Look, hang whatever name you want on me. I don't care. I don't care. Maybe we practice this book a little bit light. Maybe Christians right now 
in our zone, in our culture, in this moment, maybe we're just a little bit soft. Is that fair to say? We got a nice little church light, nice little diet church. You know, it's just a nice little garden club. We get together to spend time with each other and take care of each other. And then we go on about our life. Let me tell you something. God wants to get a hold of your whole life. He wants to renovate every single square inch of your life, your mind, your soul, your body. He wants you. This is the call. This is the call. The call that says, I refuse just to pray a a sinner's prayer, but I choose to give my life in the city square if it be called, if I be called upon to do it. If it causes me to temporarily lose out in favor with other people, I'm okay. Because I would rather be identified with Jesus Christ than to be temporarily accepted by this world. Young people, give God everything that you have. Don't wait. Don't wait another second. Don't don't say, I just want to get a little older. I want to experience some things. Forget that. Know the God of all creation in your youth. Know him now. Know him now. I'm going to serve the Lord when I get that promotion. I'm going to serve God when I achieve this status. I'm, you know, I'll I'll begin to get into the house of the Lord when I get my, my, when I get kids in my house. No, do it now. When I get married, I'll get that. No, do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another second. Today, God is calling you today. There may not be another opportunity. Today is our day. Pastor, I've already given my life to Jesus. I just, I just want to arrange things a little bit like this. No, you don't get to do the arranging. Jesus does the arranging. Jesus lays down the guidelines. Jesus says that the road to salvation is narrow and broad is the path to destruction. You go ahead and take your broad path. But if we're following after Jesus, we got to put our foot right in his sandal prints and walk right after him. Don't deviate to the right. Don't deviate to the left. You follow him all the way on in. You ride that surfboard right up onto the shore until your last breath. And then you go be in the presence of Jesus. That's how we thrive in Babylon. Thriving is not a better house. It's not better things. Thriving is relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you will seek first the kingdom of God, then he'll add all these things to you. But don't get these things if you don't get Jesus. Because you can get all these things. And what profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses Jesus, yet loses his soul. I'm so thankful for you today. I'm thankful for what God is doing here in our house. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.